0: bandwidth for changelog is provided by fastly learn more at fastly.com we move fast and fix things here at changelog because of rollbar check them out at rollbar.com and we're hosted on leno cloud servers head to com slash changelog
1: this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute a doctor patient relationship if you have specific questions or concerns we encourage you to consult a health professional in your local area
0: From ChangeLog Media, this is Brain Science, a podcast for the curious. We're exploring the inner workings of the human brain to understand behavior change, habit formation, mental health, and what it means to be human. It's brain science applied, not just how does the brain work, but how do we apply what we know about the brain to transform our lives? I'm Adam Stakoviak,
1: And I'm Dr. Marielle Reese.
0: It seems we always have a choice while we may not feel we have choices somehow despite our best efforts we always have a choice to make we say we we'd had to do it that way or right? we had to do this thing meanwhile we really did have to- other choices it's just a matter of they weren't as as good looking of a choice or with the right outcomes but we always have a choice what do you think
1: yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's interesting just there's there's patterns or themes that emerge as I work with people um, in the process of therapy. And I just, the words like I had to, or I didn't have another option come out yeah. so often. And the interesting thing and why I think this is a really big deal is because it gets at this sense of one's control or locus of control like where do I perceive that my ability to navigate my life resides and when I say that I had to or I didn't have another option it really externalizes like puts my locus of control outside of myself
0: yeah right almost uh, there's there's this big idea that uh, that this is just one big simulation
1: yeah right
0: right and it's kind of like that
1: yeah Well, and and I think the interesting thing is not everybody makes the same choices, of course, because they're not the same person and they don't have the same preference, goals, desires, all of those things. And and so it gets really muddled sometimes in life when we especially when we encounter obstacles or, you know, things that are undesirable, uncomfortable, that we're like, Oh, I, I didn't have I didn't have a choice. I had to I had to do x y or z. And it's like, well, pause. Because I think about this a lot like taxes. People will say, "Well, I have to pay my taxes." Well, n- no. No, you d- you don't. <laughs> but I think But you should. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't really want to pay a lot more money or go to go to prison, right? Right. And so there are these constraints that always go with choices. An example, I think about this with like, you know, looking at building a home. And people would say, well, this is the home I want to build. And then they go look for the land that they want to build it on. And then they buy said land. And then they go to have those building plans approved. And they're like, well, you can't build that house on that land. Mm. Right. So here's the constraints yeah. because every piece of land is different. And so then how do I put together these different puzzle pieces that I want for my life that can't go together and then I'm apt to complain or blame someone else, not me, because how dare it be me, right? When in fact, this is just choice.
0: And then from choice comes change and change is constant, right? Change is hard. Uh, I'm going to reference a book that I'm sure that you've read and hopefully a large portion of audience has read. And if not, you should Definitely read it. It's easy. It's maybe a few hours read, but it's Who Moved My Cheese? Oh. Such life lessons you will learn from reading that book. It's sort of the quintessential book to understand, you know, this hymn and this haw characters in this book. And it's all about how we react to change because change happens. And it's really how you react and the choices you make around those react- you know, around that change that sort of leads you down your next path and sometimes can even delay the process of taking the path because you're, you're sort of just sort of stuck looking for the cheese where it used to be and it's moved. And that's the whole point of the book is it's who moved my cheese.
1: Right. Oh, I love that. it It's so true. Like, you know, even in talking about trying to navigate relationships and life and whatnot that I often say people are predictably unpredictable. That's Right. Right. And that change is our one constant, but people have a lot of feelings when it comes to change. And, you know, as we were, as we talk about these different topics, it's just interesting how much we end up going back and referencing where we started with those fundamentals of being human and how we talk about emotions, because guess what affects our choices, (laughs) How we feel—that's right, <laughs> right?
0: Gosh, yes, how I feel definitely affects my uh, my choices because if I'm feeling good that day, well, I might be more positive,
1: mm-hmm.
0: have a more positive outlook. I might even be more social, mm-hmm. so more connection. Sure, uh, maybe even deeper relationships with people because of that. But if I'm feeling bad, I might choose to isolate and retract. And I'm not making connections. I'm not open to new opportunities. And now suddenly I'm down and I'm making down choices.
1: Yeah. Well, I think about it a lot with people in terms of vocation and like people, you know, create a plan and create, you know, they, they go to school and cultivate the skills they need to do to cultivate said plan. And then they do said job or career for X amount of time. And then they go, oh, shoot. This doesn't fit anymore. But now I have these other constraints, Mm -hmm. way of life, how I, you know, do my life, have the homes I want, activities I participate in. And, you know, I'm doing this thing that earns X amount of money. So now I can't change what I'm doing because this is how I optimized. And there's nothing that. I can think of that's going to be enough bang for my buck. Mm -hmm. So my emotions are saying, I'm not going to exchange that. Like it's far too great a risk. And that now makes me feel uncomfortable or overwhelmed or fearful.
0: Yeah. There's the term I've painted myself into a corner. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what we do with our life. We, We sort of paint. I think the terminology comes from, um, you know, like maybe painting the floor, right? And most rooms have four walls, four corners. And so what, what happens is you don't think about the process of painting the, the room's floor and you paint, literally paint yourself into the corner where you can't step out of it anymore because you will step all over your paint and make a mess or put footmarks in the paint. And that's obviously not the point of painting the floor. And this metaphor, though, is pretty interesting because it you feel locked in. You feel like change is not possible, but... You said before that uh, about this aspect of hope, if we lose hope in the future, hope of change, mm-hmm. that we will, we will begin to dwindle.
1: Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's, it's interesting how um, working with people, just little nuances and words can make such a difference. And I love it when people get this awareness of the concept of time and, and recognizing, well, maybe I can't make that change yet. Yeah. Not yet. And if parentheses I
0: parentheses with yet in <laughs> it is a big superpower.
1: Right, cuz you know what that yet does? Is it changes actually how I feel? Because remember how we talked about this perception of threat when I'm when I'm fearful, what my brain does because it's adaptive, it's an environmentally adaptive to go I see far and narrow. So my ability to see alternative choices or alternative ways that i can get somewhere narrows (laughs) hence now i'm painting myself into this corner and uh uh-oh now i'm more scared than i started out so now i'm going to shut down and i'm not going to look for any other options and now i'm just stuck and now i'm going to complain because of my constraints Mm. look how quick we got there
0: (laughs) yeah but, but how often do we use constraints in a positive way though uh, for example, we just had a conversation uh, on the change law that's going to come out next week um, with Stephanie uh, and she 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 was writing this book and she gave herself a constraint of, okay, I've never written a book before. okay? And I have to give myself a deadline or I won't. right. Kind of do this. So this is an example of a constraint used in a positive way.
1: Sure. But so I would say that constraint provided her with hope. And a certainty of her ability to achieve it. So she's like, for example, if something feels too overwhelming, too big, like I want to change my career, I probably wouldn't look at it like, all right, I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right? But rather I would go, all right, what are my other options? What feels like it would fit me, my lifestyle, the things that are I value? And then I'm going to reverse engineer it. And now I'm going to do a baby step that I think is achievable. So an example might be, okay, I am just going to practice if I want to write a book, and I haven't written one before, I am going to commit to sitting down and writing for, you know, 120 minutes, two hours a day, or 60 minutes, or 30 minutes, like, that's where a constraint is helpful, because it does identify parameters, Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad you bring this up because constraints aren't all bad. Yeah. They just are a function of anything. Right. Like it would be really weird if I was walking down the street and somebody punched me. Right. I would hope that'd be weird.
0: Yeah. That would be super weird. (laughs) Right.
1: Don't do that. However, if I gave you a constraint or a form and I said, well, I got punched when I was in the boxing ring, it would make a lot more sense.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Contextual uh, scenarios would certainly make that more uh, easy to deal with, I suppose. If if you just told me you got punched, I might get a little upset. But (laughs) if it was in the boxing ring, it's like, well, you know, you're probably there for a reason.
1: So then I would say, like, well, who chose to put me in the boxing ring?
0: That's right. (laughs) Okay, you tell me then. This is your your story. (laughs) Who put you in the boxing ring?
1: Well, this is why when I participate in my own choice... And the constraints that I'm operating within, it is also going to change the way that I feel about the choice that I made as well as the outcome that could occur.
0: So if someone shoved you into the boxing ring, you might be quite more upset (laughs) that you got punched in the face. However, if it was your choice to get in, you'd be like, well, you know, par for the course is what happens when you get in the boxing ring on your own accord and fight somebody.
1: Right. Right. So this is one of the things I want to highlight when we're trying to change. It is awareness is a key factor in changing. And so if I don't hold an awareness of myself or the choices that are available to me and the emotions that are involved, I'm already sort of starting way too far back and and really ill-equipped to make effective choices that take me in the direction I want to go.
0: Yeah. This lesson you shared before on front loading I've actually used quite a lot in in these scenarios is dealing with change and making better choices. Is that uh whenever I feel like I have I guess some pushback to change or choice, I'm like, well, what is causing that? And how could I pre-plan or front load to make the choice smoother when I get to the choice factor? You know, and one example of it. And this seems so silly. This, this is the example, but it's my son's lunch for school. If we prepare the lunch prior to, so the, the night before, the morning of going to school is so much more smooth, right? Mm-hmm. Because we've front-loaded everything. We've we've pre-planned. We, we chose to put this kid in school. We chose to drive him to school. I chose to take him that day. You know, whatever, all the choices right. involved. I'm just trying to emphasize but the point is is if I chose not to front load, well, my morning gets more hectic because I'll probably be tired like anybody is in the morning. You know, kids don't always cooperate the best in the morning, or maybe they do. So every day it's a crapshoot of whether it's gonna be a good morning or a bad morning. And one way to make it a slightly better morning, or at least optimize for an opportunity of a better morning, is to, hey, front load and by doing the, you know, the lunch prior to. It seems like it's so, so silly, but it makes the day so much easier if that's done.
1: No, but... One thing. It is. And and that's just it, Adam. All you did was articulate, recognizing the the parts to the whole puzzle. Yeah. And going, what factors play a role in sort of the options available to me with the outcome I'm trying to achieve? Because the bigger, broader goal is you're trying to educate your child. Yeah. Yeah both socially, emotionally, and intellectually via school. Well, he's not the only person in your home, and so you and your wife, other children, play a role in that morning routine and recognizing, okay, if I'm tired, i.e., what emotions might I be experiencing when I'm trying to do said task alongside what other objective, which is getting my child to school on time when I feel like time is very limited, So I tweak sort of the methodology of what I do so that it works better and that all of the parts to whole get to hang out in a more functional environment. This is the thing that's so huge when we talk about choices, especially as it relates to change, that that choices don't occur sort of in solitude. Yeah. If I make a choice, there's like five, or a hundred other dominoes that get knocked over as a result of the choice. So when I don't start with this sense of awareness of the part to whole, I'm already going to be struggling more so than I need to be.
0: Yeah. What I find even more profound is that uh, that one silly example could be the factor of an amazing day so we just talked about it earlier I could be more positive that day. So this morning routine could lead to a more positive day or it could lead to a more negative day. And we just talked through like what might happen if I was negative or positive. And so all these – you know, as you said, these dominoes, these this trickle effect, it, it really stacks up to this idea that our superpower is our choice, right? And that the choice I make today impacts the choices I make this week, this month, this year – and the next thing you know, it can really change your life dramatically. One small choice, one small front-loading, one small optimization can really change the course of a lot.
1: Right. And that's why we're talking about this because I really want you know, people to understand how much opportunity is out there in their lives, like if something isn't working, there are opportunities to change it. But you have to look at the choices that are available to you and go in what small way could I make, you know, a difference. I'm not sure if I've shared this before. But I think about it like with people who are trying to make changes with eating habits. Um, And some of the things I recommend in the course of treatment is like, can you just not go through the drive through? Mm -hmm. Like anytime I don't care if you want to eat fast food or not, but like I just want you to walk in
0: Go eat the fast food, but it's it's almost like you have to feel more of the pain (laughs) You really have to want to do it.
1: Well, right i'm making one other aspect more aversive So it's less desirable because my emotions say like oh, I don't really want to do that Like if i'm going to walk into fast food, like I can just walk into my kitchen and also pick something out too. Yeah. <laughs> or walk into a grocery store, you know, and that this is why it is such a superpower to go, okay, like what small change could I make? What mini choice would take me in the trajectory? Doesn't it doesn't mean I cultivate the like goal I'm trying to reach, but it just moves me in the direction that I'm trying to go. So I can't talk about awareness without talking about sort of how our brain works, right? And I think of it as Daniel Kahneman, who um, wrote the uh, Thinking in, in Systems. I forget if that's the name. But he talks about and identifies thinking system one and differentiates it from thinking system two. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, Thinking Fast and Slow. That's the name of the book, gotcha. right? He um, says system one is this automatic, quick, intuitive, emotional, and reactive system okay and then thinking system 2 think of this like our more of our higher order thought process which is conscious effortful logical and deliberate and so while each sort of have these distinct styles one can't operate without the other, and these are highly integrated. So they're mutually supportive. They're not discrete or hierarchical like one and then the other. They're sort of both, imagine, two spinning plates that also can turn into yarn and go wow. right back and forth. Um, and so system two, which is that higher order, is has limited resources. So it picks and chooses what is most sensible to invest its energy in, right? And then it can sometimes- It's
0: it's always evaluating. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Sometimes it can be lazy, like especially if something is not viewed as a very important decision. Then it it kicks it back to system one to pick up the slack. Gotcha. Right? So this is where we get stuck in our choices because it's like, I can think about the stress of daily life and like being a wife, a mom, a professional- you know and just a human like trying to manage and modulate myself that i can get this decision fatigue right so instead of using more of this higher order like thoughtful thing it's like any muscle under tension over an extended period of time tends to give way <laughs> so does my brain right which is why it's like the end of the day i'm like my kids ask me something i'm like i don't i don't know <laughs> I,
0: I, I got nothing <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm toast. <laughs> right. So if there, because your
0: brain is literally on fire. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just
0: well, it's a figuratively literally yeah on fire.
1: I'm I'm done. And so recognizing that choices might be more challenging for me later off in the day or under certain constraints like other stressors. What are the the top ones like? Getting married, buying a house, moving,
0: buying a car, yeah, moving, yeah, jobs, yeah.
1: Yep, all these these things. So recon-
0: Relationship change in general?
1: Yeah, so Death. we want to say like, well, we're fully in charge of our choices. Well, yes and no, because this one part of our brain is more deliberate and can be reflective and thoughtful, while the other part is reflexive, which is based far more on how we've been conditioned or trained. Like mm. imagine... How you operate your life is based on the system that was downloaded via your experiences, especially between the ages of zero and five. Yeah, I mean, I'm going way back.
0: <laughs> yes, that's that's uh, that's so far back that I I personally have a hard time remember remembering prior to age five. Mm-hmm. There's a couple things that are like somewhat vivid to me, but I don't have a memory that I can recollect that would be accurate to true events.
1: Sure. Well, and this is why, like, zero to five is just imagine you're starting with a blank slate, and now you're just downloading about information about how the world operates, what to expect, um, and and really just through this process of conditioning. Like, when I sit down at the table, I get food, or I'm allowed to run around that my house, or this is how I speak to people, or this is how, you know... People respond when I get sad, upset, angry, et cetera. We all have this default system. And so having the awareness of these systems that everybody is contending with, like even in the workplace. So sometimes you might have an exchange with someone and you'll walk away like, gosh, that was really weird. Like their response, like, why did they say that? I don't get that. Well, who knows to what degree they're in system one, system two, or a myriad or hybrid of both. Right. Because they're in their own brain thinking through things and they have their own sort of proclivities, you know, a way of being in the world that they learned. This is how I just operate. What's your problem? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, then. So you're saying almost uh, at odds with one another that you say we do have a choice. And then you're saying, well, kind of, maybe not (laughs) based upon system one. So I'm kind of confused to some degree. But when we talk about system one and system two thinking, is this is a choice our brain makes uh, outside of our control. We can't say okay, I'm only going to activate system 2. Correct. Right, we we can't we don't have an option of turning one on or off or favoring one one system over the other.
1: Well, right, Adam, you just highlighted why we have challenges when we talk about the brain. Because you're like, well, Marielle, you said this and then you said that and they don't go together.
0: Right. <laughs> Well, the show started out very hopeful. Like You have every choice you make is your choice and you did it. There you go. Now you're saying, well, maybe not.
1: Well, but what I'm saying we are talking about is awareness. And so this is why people come into therapy. I can't even tell you how many times the referring reason people come in is they're like, I keep doing this thing and I don't know why. I keep picking these people that I don't want to pick or I keep doing this thing I don't want to do or I'm I think I'm depressed and like. I look at, I think I'm
0: depressed. That's the best one.
1: <laughs> but I'm i not,
0: I'm not saying it's a good thing, obviously. But, you know, yeah. like, I think I'm not. You're not even sure. Right. That's how depressed you are. You're not even sure if you're depressed.
1: Right. And so if they don't have the awareness of themselves or sort of how they've been trained, like I'll work with people for some time and they'll sort of comment like, gosh, I wish I knew this or I wish I would have come to therapy before I made X, Y, or Z major decision. Because they just they just didn't know all of what was beneath the iceberg in themselves.
0: Some would say sometimes that's a good thing, right? You can dig into the past and the past gets you, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, this aspect of like what you don't know is better off to some degree. And then, uh, yeah, that could be a, a slippery slope where you just sort of start to dig into things that, uh, you know, this, this aspect of identity, you know, so age zero to five is to some degree an identity factor because someone in your life told you who you were potentially your parents grandparents and that impressive time of your life is when you sort of find out who you are sure you spend your whole life wondering that and then you turn suddenly you're 25 right Right. suddenly you know (laughs) but it's this aspect of when you start to look back at who you are and why you are and you're like well really a lot of this time was you know 0 to 5 or whatever age was when you found out who you were and you're just reflecting back on this identity that potentially might have a a dark past or things you didn't know cuz you've 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 grown up you know now you can handle the emotions of let's say choices family members made when you were younger or I don't know the point is is that there's darkness in the past and sometimes you were too young to know and you might be better off not.
1: Well, sure. I mean, I would say like tweak that a little bit and say, well, there's some things like no amount of digging would discover because you can't totally know. Like don't don't go back and try to dig up things that like to some degree the why doesn't always make a difference. I only bring this point into conversation because some awareness is helpful. And one of the things, like we talked about in um, habit formation, was the way in which we're more apt to do things that resonate or are consistent with how we see ourselves. So, if I see myself as, you know, skilled in athletics, I'm probably more apt to take risks in anything athletically oriented, right? So. I'm saying that having an awareness of ourselves or going, look, I trained, I went to school, I put a major investment in this education to cultivate these skills, to get this job, to work at this company, and now I'm here, oh, now what? And I don't see any other choice. If I'm able to be aware of how all these pieces fit together, then I can look and say, oh, my word, I actually think that I have my self-concept totally tethered to that job. And now I don't know how to change it.
0: Yeah, identity is a huge factor in, in these things. And I think that the sooner you know who you are so that you know what you should do or could do, the better off you might be long term. It's just... Identity is such a key piece.
1: It is. And that's why going recognizing like how you feel, the role that emotions play in your choice and you, like how different things make you feel, that's relative to the choices you're gonna make. So choices aren't good or bad. It's interesting, you know, different conversations I have and, you know, fears that people have over like, did I fail if I don't do this thing, if I don't follow through? Like I'm forgetting the story I read about um some entrepreneur who went to Stanford and was in her master's program and I think she had a very, you know, successful family, like doctors, attorneys or scientists, um, whatever. But she called up her parents because she's like, I'm gonna quit. <laughs> I'm I'm at Stanford, like, hoorah. Here's this great Ivy League school and I'm not gonna keep going. <laughs> Because she realized it didn't fit for her anymore in that way. And some people would say, no, 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 you can't do that. Like, look at what you did. You you got in. You got to finish. And so then changing and going, look, you're not a failure if you don't finish something you thought you wanted.
0: Is the person's name Elizabeth Holmes? Tell me more. Well, it would be ironic to reference her if that's the truth. Because... She's the founder of Theranos, which is a now defunct health technology company that was in many ways fraudulent.
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Great example. It's just ironic (laughs) because if that is, in fact, Elizabeth Holmes, she has an interesting story. And that's why that company and what she was doing was so beloved because she had that story, right? She quit school to be an entrepreneur. She quit school to build this company, Theranos. And. And as things unraveled over ma- over many years, she uh, the company was very bad. She's in she's in court now and stuff. It's, it's
1: I, a big deal. I'm wanting to say that wasn't the person I was thinking okay.
0: of. <laughs> <but> <laughs> very similar then. Very similar.
1: Right. So it would have
0: been ironic though.
1: It it would have. And you know, I, I only say that and and even if that were the case, Adam, that there's other choices that happen. And so We can't look at just the one choice over whether or not that person chose to stay at Stanford or leave that saying, if you leave your master's program, that then you're going to be fraudulent. Right. Right. So you can make inferences about, or like one of the things that in my field we talk about with research a lot is there's a big difference between causation and correlation. Like, right. I'm not saying, well, that then caused. (laughs) And so, (laughs) you know, but rather, look, a lot of people want to say that power corrupts. But to some degree, degree, this sense of power or opportunity just reveals what's on the inside. And so when there's opportunity to make other choices, like people talk about integrity, and integrity is, it really is a choice. Like, I don't have to always do what I say I'm going to do. And not You choose to. Yeah. Yeah. And like, not everybody has the same mind. And I, I mean, we can talk about, you know, different things like, you know, and why if I'm going, hey, awareness is a critical thing. I'm sure all of us can look back in our own lives and remember some really negative emotional experience, mm-hmm. which provided us a lesson in terms of noting that in our brain and saying, hey, don't do that. And so I'm going to be passionate about you know, having a sense of integrity now, or I'm going to be passionate about you know, being successful, or X, Y, or Z, because it caused a negative or aversive experience earlier on in my life. So to some degree, I'm saying we have to look at what's underneath the iceberg to sometimes recognize the motive behind our choices, in the same way I could talk about this choice, we talk about awareness, but there's also defenses at play. Right? Defense isn't bad. Defenses are designed for self-preservation, for protection. But they also restrict or limit our awareness if I'm defending against something I don't want to see or know. You know, I can talk about this in the context of therapy and going a lot of people when they we sort of talk through contributing factors to why they are where they are, you know, most people don't want to blame their parents. <laughs> and, and if they even talk about like, oh, goodness, my parents had a part in how I turned out like I did, then they feel guilty. So they don't want to talk about it. And I always have to run interference and go, look, the purpose of this is never to vilify people. Like, yeah. I wholeheartedly believe that all parents, well, most parents <laughs> do the best they can with what they have at the time that they're doing it. Like, most parents do not have ill intentions. They're just human and doing the best they can. Yeah. And so recognizing it doesn't mean, you know, that there aren't still negative consequences. And so to at least understand how we sort of were formed and how we go about ourselves in our day-to-day life makes a difference in terms of the choices that we see as available to us.
0: Do you think it makes sense to examine this from the lens of I want to know why things are the way they are versus who is to blame?
1: I I don't think blame is even – necessary it
0: well you said vilify so that's usually trying to find somebody to say oh well it's their fault sure you know to push it off on somebody else like i i would be more interested to figure out like why are the things the way they are yes so that i can know what to do Yes. right not so much who to blame because circumstances are what they are
1: correct that's just it like and and some people i actually have to work with and like because they get very fixated on well like why is this the case and i'm like okay, it, it kind of doesn't matter at this point because you need to shift gears to going, well, now what? So if this was the case, like if this is how you were raised or how you were trained or how you learned to see the world, now what?
0: Yeah, <laughs> Like not
1: in a not empathetic way, but like literally we're going to set that aside and we're going to go, now what what can we do given these are the constraints that you're operating within? What, how do you want to modify that? What do you think you can do differently?
0: Yeah. Well, the one thing to sort of shine the light back on to hope is that we can change. Yep. Right. Given the right kind of, I guess, pain threshold, there's the saying essentially that we often don't change until the pain uh, let me let me actually read this because it's it's easier read than just randomly scripted. But people often said that the pain to change has to be less than the pain it takes to remain the same. So that means you don't often change until it's like, well, this is so painful to stay the way I am. I now have to change just because that it's too painful to remain in that pain or in that choice or in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. But that we can change. We can. It takes intention though.
1: It does. And so, and and I would say not just intention but deliberate effort. Yeah. I don't want people to think, you know, I, I just need to do the right thing or make the right choice. For whatever reason, that's one of those sort of abrasive things to me. Like There isn't necessarily a right choice, unless we're talking about morality, possibly. But generally speaking, when it comes to our lives and, and where we work, what we do, who we spend time with, the foods we eat, the activities we engage in, that it, it's much more around um, this sense of effort. And where do I want to continue to put effort? Because effort repeated over time is how I'm likely going to get where I want to go.
0: Yeah. This aspect of conditioning has been really clear to me after, you know, these many conversations with you. This That we condition ourselves, we create habits, we create processes, we create systems, whatever framework or, or, you know, Language you want you want to use to describe it. Essentially, we're conditioning ourselves to make choices or certain choices, potentially ones we don't like making. Right. You know, we're conditioning ourselves to to do a certain routine given a certain scenario.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why, um, you know, in looking at this and saying, well, what do our listeners do now? Like, okay, so you gave me some data, but I I actually want to make changes. (laughs) And so if we can take a step back and and get some distance, like if I'm looking to make a decision, let's think about this in three different ways, like three different time frames. Like, how are you going to feel about this choice in 10 minutes? How about 10 months? And how about 10 years? Yeah. And and ironically, that sort of allows for time to both system one and system two to think through. Because two, how I might feel, you know, I can take like a food example, like, oh, I just I want that huge dessert or whatever. And going right. well, ten seconds from now, that's gonna be awesome. <laughs> but
0: potentially ten minutes from now, because I'll <laughs> still be eating it because it's so big.
1: <laughs> but I might even even go, how am I gonna feel 10 hours or 10 days?
0: Yes. Or
1: 10 months. To go, you know, does it really matter? And and so what I'm wanting people to to see is I want them to look at their choices as a hybrid of now and later. And and within saying, here's my constraints, and what are my complaints even around those constraints? What's aversive that I don't like? And then what other ways might I consider doing it? Mm-hmm. Can I leapfrog? Can I can I do one lily pad to another lily pad that don't feel like I'm having to jump in a way that feels incredibly risky to me?
0: Yeah, this concept that you're bringing up is kind of like this this algorithm. You mm-hmm. know, when you come to it, you know, this fork in the road, this choice factor, so to speak. You know, you, we all have certain preferences in our life. And I would consider it being some sort of like personal choice algorithm where, and this is for everybody, it's going to be a little different, but, you know, what's your core purpose in life? What are you trying to do? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, your choices should reflect you moving in the direction of your goals for your life. You know, these things are all built upon your passions, your values, beliefs. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: at the root of all that really is identity. And for me, you know, it's become, as I start to, you know, have this scenario happen to me often, this algorithm of choice, so to speak, I'm like, well, Adam, who are you? Mm -hmm. You know, when I come to these decisions it's like, well, if you're, if you're optimizing, even if you're not that person today, if you want to go in this direction, then these are the things you should do because of that. Right. And so this, this algorithm of choice, I think is pretty interesting because it might be like simple things like maybe buying a car or going on vacation Yes. might be these choices. Well, if I'm, you know, I really can't, see how vacation fits into that personally but maybe it's like where to go potentially but this car should i buy this car well if you're the kind of person that doesn't really need this car why would you buy the car
1: well yeah well it's interesting you're like i don't know how vacation i can think of it like you know f- here like living where i am and doing certain seasons in life right it looked very different when my children were not of school age and going right. i i joking i joke with my family now about like we're only available christmas and spring break Summer, like we have three times that we do anything because the constraints are during the academic year. So I don't take vacations, generally speaking, apart from those times because of what, you know, my husband and I and our family are optimizing for. That's true, Right, and it is fascinating. I think when we look at marketing and the choices we make and the cars we drive, like that sense of alignment around, self-perception how do I see myself and so then what choice am I gonna make you know because it's interesting I can say I like this sort of um make or brand of car but it doesn't resonate with with me or even purchasing a home I'm like oh that 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 style isn't my style at all so it then wouldn't feel ironically back to that feeling the way that I want my home to feel
0: which as you said before environment plays a key role in habits and routines so why wouldn't you know the feeling of your home also influence you in, in those ways you know if my identity was rooted in someone who said well uh, i'm super wealthy or i'm wealthy enough and i deserve desire to drive cars that are sort of in alignment with the identity i hold so i might drive a mercedes or a bmw or just some sort of higher end model or car or brand, mm-hmm. but and if my identity is not rooted in that, well, then I might I might drive a Toyota or a Ford or you know, a you know a normal brand that you see every day on the road. You know, a less eclectic car.
1: Right. Yeah. So as we're thinking about these these choices, if you can look at what is the sort of criterion I'm trying to create or cultivate. Like, how am I establishing a framework? You know, there's so many things in our world that have form, right? I can think about it in the kitchen in terms of pots and pans, and there's different sizes and styles. I can think about it with cars. I can think about it with jobs and locations and styles. But recognizing if, if you can be aware of you as a sort of puzzle piece always fitting within a larger puzzle and then puzzles internally- that you're trying to fit together, and that we're all gonna fare better when we operate out of this place of alignment, like what is presented on the outside, the way in which I live, the choices that I make are congruent with how I feel on the inside, the priorities that I have, the values, the things I care about, the places I make investments. It sounds so much more like a cacophony in a sort of symphony as opposed to more of a sort of stark, staccato, not rhythmic, like car starting or stopping way of life. And that's really what I want people to optimize around is recognizing they're in the driver's seat for their life, along with the people they care most about and going, how can we all respect the individuality we all possess and figure out how we can be our best selves amidst those constraints?
0: All right, discuss this and all our episodes at changelog.com. If you're curious, open the show notes for this episode and click discuss on Changelog News. We'd love to hear from you. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to this podcast at changelog.com slash brainscience. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, and anywhere else you can get podcasts. Huge thanks to our partners Fastly, Rollbar, and Linode. And when we need music, we summon the Beat Freak Breakmaster Cylinder. We love those beats. Hope you do too. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week.